This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. This is Charlotte Chung and Fred Tatashore. And you're listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time, time Live. It's time. Talk Time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Now come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Now come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Now come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Now come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft. But I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go. Live life and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words when no faith is empty. I stayed the course, so my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Now come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Now come on. And let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. That come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. That come on and let's get it. Talk time. again everybody and welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your host xavier josiah hope everybody's having a great week i you know i'm be truthful the wrestling fan in me has diluted possibly maybe it's because i don't follow the wwe as much as i used to but i totally forgot that this was wrestlemania weekend to some extent but um yeah it, it's uh crazy you know to all of you guys who are you know wwe fans i hope you have a great weekend i know it's raining like crazy out there so you know stay safe out there well, not even just because of the rain but because it's COVID. so you you know we're still not out of the loop yet with that whole situation but it is wrestlemania week for wrestling fans out there so shout out to all wrestling fans out there and um you know, we got a lot of news to talk about today. There's uh, some unfortunate, sad news, of course, in the world of hip hop and Hollywood, and in some cases, video games as well. Um, we'll be talking about the life and death of DMX uh, in the beginning of our next segment. We also are going to be talking about the Winter Soldier, Invincible, the new Batman trailer, the new movie, animated movie that's coming out soon. Looks awesome. And uh, a little bit more of other things, too. So. Uh, but in our talk topic today, we are going to be reviewing, and this is crazy because I know I said on select start that we were going to be reviewing the Pacific Rim anime. That's been squashed because somebody came to me and told me like, there's a better anime to check out. And after watching it, I may have to agree with this. So we're going to talk about in our talk topic today, the way of the house husband and trust me, this is if you like comedic anime, you're going to want to sit uh, around, or, you know, I'll tell you why this is possibly the anime to see. It's one of Netflix's new original anime series, 
and man oh man this is something to behold so let's get to it let's talk about all that in the next segment so without further ado let's find out what's new in the world of acmg and now it's time to find out what's new in the world of acmg Okay, so to start it off, unfortunately, we're going to talk about the life and death of DMX, uh, aka what many, a lot of people still don't know what DMX means. It's Darkman X, but um, real name Earl Simmons passed away this week uh, on the 9th uh, after a huge struggle with his drug addiction and overdosed uh, that led him into a coma, so to speak or a some a form of state that he couldn't get off in and you know the family was trying to he was on life support the family was trying hard to see if there was any way to revive him but apparently his uh his organs started failing and it was just there were really no choice and uh it was it's very unfortunate because this man is beyond an icon in the world of hip-hop but also of course if many of you know out there who've watched his movies he had two movies with jet Li um you know he's been invited in the world of video games he's uh he's he is acmg in a lot of respects uh here but we i mean we absolutely lost a giant in the game a, a rapper a hip-hop artist like no other his voice carried and you if you hear dmx's voice first of all you'll never find another dmx because not even just his voice but his command um you know for the crowd you know the minute that he speaks um i remember when we first heard him on the radio ll cool i, I think we got to give ll cool jade uh the credit for this because the first time i think a lot of people saw uh dmx was from the album 4321 which was ll cool j's album it was kind of a past present future type of song because it had cannabis which you know he was up and coming at the time had master p which is a little bit more established had method man and red man in there and then you had dmx who really kind of stood out more than anybody in that song because of his voice and the way that he was carrying himself and the way that he he um he he spit like it was he, he, he's so he's so you know demanding <laughs> he demands your he commands your attention immediately when you hear his voice it's a voice that you can respect but also fear <laughs> but if you start to get to know dmx you know he is nobody that you fear unless you got beef with him which to his credit to a lot of people like he's a dude that nobody had beef with it's he's a dude that you always wanted to be that you wanted him in the song with because he helps elevate that song even more he's kind of like buster rhymes like when he did scenario buster would come in and he'd be the main event he'd be the last the best they saved the best for last dmx was that dude that like if you have a collab song with him you you let him be the last dude because he's the one that's going to take it home and that's how it is and his career was so awesome that it transcended to movies and then you know his movie career was going to get started and like had he not been battling this addiction, his career could have been in an amazing road in his case. But things kept happening. Um, you know, the demons kept coming and it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. It's a, it, you know, the disease is real. 
it is a disease, but it's unfortunate. And then along the way, he still, the Christian that he is, he still was trying to give back. He's still trying to look out for other people. There were videos of him actually doing some really cool stuff. He would do a concert, but then he would go to like, he'd go into a waffle house and started helping the employees clean, you know, the dead. And it's like, it, it's weird because you don't see people of his stature do stuff like that. He helped clean up the, the, the uh, the club after he performed it. It's, it's you know, it was like almost his way to make amends for, you know, the things that he was doing, but also trying to give back in his own way. I mean, there's nobody like DMX. This dude was awesome. This dude was absolutely awesome. He's iconic. His his songs, I mean, like I mentioned 4321, uh, are like every one of his, like a lot of his songs are iconic and still being used to this day. Like he's, he remains relevant always, like to this day. Um, X going to give it to you, which you've heard in many video games and TV shows and cartoons. Uh, what's my name? Uh, y'all gonna make me, y'all gonna make me lose my mind has been played in commercials amazingly. Okay. Um, one of my particular favorites go to sleep with Eminem from the cradle, uh, to the grave soundtrack, the rough rider anthem money, power, respect with the locks and little Kim. I mean, you name it. He, I mean, I'm just naming just a few. Um, and again, a movie career where he did two with Jet Lee, Romeo must die and cradle to the grave. Um, of course, we can't forget Belly, <laughs> which everybody, a lot of people's favorite movie with him and Nas and T and T boss from uh, TLC and a host of other people in there. Um, I'm mean, like I said, his music has stayed relevant. His music appeared on like Deadpool, uh, Rick and Morty, and just recently Bad Trip uh, with um, Eric Andre as well. You know, there's you know some references there. Uh, I still got to see Bad Trip. I heard so many things I, I i'm a huge fan of eric andre and you know now that the fact that he utilized dmx in there is awesome as well but of course if you're a gamer if you're a video game fan you know one of the most cult classic favorites fighting games of all time or wrestling games if you want to put it that way def jam vendetta he made an appearance on there he kind of was he, i want to say he was the focal point but they used him and his music to really promote the uh, the game, to really hype the game up, because they use X going give it to you, and that was the first time that we heard that game when they used it when they uh, the song when when they used it for the game, and it was the kind of the marquee song of the entire game, and it was the perfect song to use for a game like that. Um, Def Jam Vendetta is absolutely one of the best games ever. Uh, it consisted of a bunch of different hip hop, some of hip hop's greatest, past, present, and future, and just along with some other stars as well, all coming together to play this really crazy Aki engine uh, wrestling game. And DMX was in there. And when you played DMX, he was he was every bit as no joke as what you expect him not expect him to be. You know, he was to say they they managed to bring the essence of his intensity of his hardcoreness in there. If I, that's even a term uh, into that game. And it's awesome. There's a commercial I posted on the uh, ACMG Facebook group, the commercial, the old like promo that they use with DMX as he's talking about what he wanted to see within his character. And then they show the actual video game version of him doing exactly what DMX wanted him to do. And it's awesome. And they also play X going to give it to you in, in, uh, in the background of it. So, you know, he, he's he will always be remembered that he, he may be gone, but his legacy is going to live virtually forever because i guarantee you they're going to use 
the, the any of his songs for a lot of things there. And if you guys remember, I mentioned Rick and Morty. I forgot what episode that was. I know it was the episode where uh, the daughter was working for the devil in a, in a, in a uh, shop where they sold items um, that had a curses in them. And, and Rick was, you know, Rick had a store rivaling that to remove those curses so people can benefit from the items that they had. <laughs> Hilarious. But in that episode, they use X go and give it to you in there to like, because both Rick and his, uh, I forgot the daughter's name, both roided up to be like up the devil and other people as well. <laughs> and it's awesome. It is absolutely awesome. So rest in peace, Earl Simmons. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you've done rather than the hip hop world and people's hearts. Hell, I, I no lie. I, when I set up to do like panels and everything, like when I started doing these panels, like the live panels, especially uh, back in Keystone Comic Con in 2019, um, it was the first time I've ever done a live panel. And that one of the live panels had like 300 people. It was the Overwatch panel. So I had to gear up for that. And I had to, I created a playlist and I like how we just call it playlist, but back then we used to call it mixtapes. But um, I created a playlist of songs to, you know, get me in gear, to get me psyched. Damn right. Two of those songs is the ones that I've mentioned on here. X gonna give it to you. And what's my name? You cannot have a hype playlist without playing anything that DMX has got, because guarantee you're going to be psyched. You're going to be your adrenaline is going to be pumped. You're going to be ready to do whatever it is that you need to do. His songs helped me get through that and really knock it out the park. So with that said, thank you, brother. Rest in peace to you. I wish I could have met, met you in some form or fashion, but thank you for your music. Enough said there. All right, man. <laughs> what a, what a, what a man. In other news. I want to give my thoughts on the trailer to Batman The Long Halloween Part 1. Very interesting uh, trailer here. Very intrigued about this. As I am with all Batman animated movies, I mean, it's the one thing DC you know, does right. Well, you know what? I, for the most part, not all of their albums were... Not, not all their albums. Not all of their actual movies, animated movies were great. But um, if you want to get a win-loss record, they got a huge win record when it comes to Batman animated uh, deals. But this one is interesting because I think this is furthering my understanding as to what they're doing with this new it's, it's sort of kind of the rebirth era. Because if you guys remember, they did the, the 52 era of uh, animated you know, movies, which led to um, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War and it kind of ended everything that was going on in that universe and now they have this new universe which started with uh, Superman Man of Tomorrow this is kind of continuing off here because now we have this one which is very similar to Superman Man of Tomorrow and I'll explain this is based on the comic book in the mid 90s written, uh, written by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sell a, and it is based upon a string of murders that has occurred in Halloween and other holidays to which Batman, played by uh, Jensen Ackles uh, from, if I'm pronouncing his last name right, uh, from Supernatural, who decides to team up with Harvey Dent and Commissioner Gordon to find this culprit. 
and this is like the early stage of batman too so this is kind of like like i said this is kind of like the um superman man of tomorrow because superman man of tomorrow was kind of the origin like the beginning the genesis if you will of clark this is kind of going to be in the same fashion and they're kind of bringing that in from here and just adding us to the universe um the art style of this new animated movie matches that of superman man of tomorrow so this leads me to believe that they're doing a series of these that's going to culminate to everybody coming together and becoming a uh, a bigger deal for that so i'm looking forward to this um the story the story also from the trailer seems to be focused on harvey dent who's played by josh demel of uh transformers fame probably josh demel is probably one of the consistent really good things about the transformers movies even if there was a bad one josh demel was always a cool character in that movie you know regardless um so he's playing harvey dent in this one and then is also going to be based around the falcone family as well uh we also see appearances from catwoman Selma grundy who's played by fred tattishore uh who i think plays him a lot in here and i don't think there's anybody better who could play uh that type of character but him and of course the joker once again played by troy baker uh who's probably the closest joker to mark hamill's joker he does a really great job uh, i remember when he first did it i think it was um batman origins and people were a little bit skeptical because you know hamill is that dude but to troy baker's credit he did really really well he did a close knit job of capturing that mark hamill uh joker in there so um i i don't mind this at all as well uh catwoman i want to note is played by uh the late naya uh, rivera uh from glee who you guys remember this is one of her uh one of her final performances and if you guys remember last year unfortunately uh rivera tragically died last year during a trip with her daughter and it's just one of one of the many unfortunate things of 2020 let me tell you it i it was just god it was so much it, I, it's like waking up from a nightmare in comparison right now but um it'll be great to hear her performances and talents on here if not for the last time here and it, it's um it's unfortunate but i'm looking forward to this uh movie coming out they didn't give it a release date but they just acknowledged that it's coming out soon so i'm i'm very much looking forward to it. this should be good i'm looking forward to seeing whether how this is going to shape up to everything else as well there's another uh justice league movie coming out too pretty soon it's going to be based on wonder woman in a uh that more like the justice society as well so i i, I wonder if that's going to connect in some form or fashion too and all these are going to connect to eventually form the justice league here too so we'll see we'll see okay we got to talk about this week's episode of the winter soldier oh my goodness i believe it's entitled the whole world is watching <laughs> that's an understatement okay this is gonna be a lot so take it in because there was a lot to take in in this episode Usai. okay so the episode begins with a flashback of ale uh, of ale um healing and helping bucky from the brainwashing if you guys remember this is kind of connecting to the last scene the the end credit scene of civil war when he decided to, when uh him and steve decided to go to wakanda because the wakandans can help uh take away the brainwashing that was done by hydra for so long and we get to see a little bit of inside of that this reminds me also of um 
WandaVision when he kind of went and did a flashback that connected everything together and, and, and uh, to what was going on in her world. This is kind of the same thing. I love it. So this is like, again, tightening the storytelling of this whole thing and how everything is connected together. So uh, Oyo here is trying is, you know, testing the the uh, I guess the the brainwashing or whatever you want to call it, you know, the, the, the decryption of his brainwashing, if you will. And Bucky is very hesitant and scared and frightened as he should be because he's been through so, so much. And, you know, it, it's damn near torture for him every time he hears those words, the words that we heard Baron Zemo in Civil War do for him. And so she goes ahead and says all the words and in saying the words that normally triggers it, he realizes that it no longer that he's no longer bound to it and she says that he is free we see bucky crying in joy here and it was i love this scene because it was just it was very natural it was uh it, it really you could really feel the emotion from bucky and since we've all have traveled to bucky's road throughout this whole entire thing since uh the winter soldier you know we get to see this and it, it, you know you live kind of almost vicariously through that emotion and i thought they captured it really well this leads us back into the present where the two meet in the alley from last week and Bucky tries to explain to Ayo uh, that they needed Zemo and uh, in order to find whoever who's been um, using the serum and whatnot. She informs him that he has eight hours until the Dora, the, uh, the Dora Milaje uh, will hunt him down. And whoa, my God. See, here's the thing. The Dora Milaje, we don't get to see too much of and see them do their thing. Last time we got to see them do their thing was during um, Black Panther when they were fighting Killmonger. And it, it really tells you, it, I can tell you this, it really tells you how badass Killmonger was in that movie because the way that they wiped the floor with them in this episode and you go back to you know watch how Killmonger was handling them, that speaks vibes, even with the Panther uh, outfit and everything. And, you know, Panther had the ability almost similar to Steve Rogers, you know, and well, none of, well, Bucky has tech, you know, he has the serum in him as well. So that speaks, that really speaks to me as to how, you know, how much, how much of a formidable um, foe Killmonger was because he, he, he handled them a little bit better than these guys did in this episode and i'm going ahead of myself in this but i'm just saying the dory melage is not a group that you want to mess with and this episode clearly showed that in, in in such a dominant fashion the episode also shows carly of the flax uh flag smashers becoming torn between her morals and ethics in regards to how she is leading her team and squad um sam heads to the funeral of carly's uh loved one uh, as he plans to try to reason with her as he believes that her cause that uh, her cause uh, he, like he believes in her cause I should say but doesn't agree with her direction Sam questions her uh, whether her actions is that of a uh, supremacist uh, to which she doesn't believe it but you know after talking to Sam she's starting to question it afterwards um, if you guys remember and they talked about this Sam has done work with people like this before. If you guys remember in Winter Soldier, he helped. He um, he 
moderated support groups and everything for soldiers who are, have been through tragic situations trying to help them through and then we saw steve do the same thing during civil war uh not civil war um during infinity wars or was it in game it was in game we saw him do that take pretty much take sam's place and helping him do that i love like i said the little things that matter about that marvel makes uh happen in, in this um universe is just tremendous so just when he manages to actually get through to carly chat walker and his impatient old self begins to infiltrate the room to retrieve carly now they said that they want I, I don't understand why they said 10 minutes i would have said at least 15 minutes at best to talk to her reason with her but he, he was becoming so impatient and we started seeing the signs of john walker dating back since last week and even before that to some extent but you know just a hint of it last um two episodes ago but then last week when he started he started getting a little bit anxious because people weren't giving him the respect that steve god because he's not steve and he's not acting like steve and he's not portraying himself like steve instead he has this he has this form of self-entitlement that is getting him always into trouble and this week was no different and his impatience played in the factor um this resulted in a number of disasters which included carly running into the um the room where the serum was as zemo was uh, you know chasing her down uh, she jumped over the t this table and this table had the serum in air it dropped the serum dropped in air zemo came in while firing at her noticed that this stuff was there he said is this what i think this is and when he figured it out he decided to destroy the serum that was in there with the exception of one the serum uh falls to the ground you know as he as he's destroying it they you know carly manages to escape uh then he um all of a sudden john walker manages to come in and takes zemo down <laughs> hitting him head first with the shield concusses him with the shield okay I, I i can't fathom how anybody stays alive getting hit in the head because bear strucker got hit in the head with that thing too from steve and i'm like how are they not destroying them with this shield um that's made of vibranium and it's supposed to be light but it, it wow but he managed to take him out but also in doing so john walker notices that the serum is there he found one one um one veil in there that was left and he decided to take it he didn't take it initially at the time but he put it in his pocket hid it away and you know with the, with him questioning whether he should take it or not later we see one of the best scenes in the episode by far when the Dore Milaje with the Dora Milaje comes for Zemo as well as uh, John and Lamar who managed to finally find these guys to try to track them down they want Zemo but then the Dora Milaje come in uh spear first coming in and saying they're going to take him and this leads to once again John and his self-entitlement coming in to think that he's the leader of this whole entire thing and unfortunately that was not the case and Bucky and Sam knew this wasn't the case this began uh, a series of the Dora Milaje beating wiping the floor with Bucky Sam Battlestar and especially Captain America John Walker 
who was absolutely embarrassed after trying to flex his out his title rank uh, by putting the shoulder on Io. I want to point out something too about that. When he put his shoulder on her, if you guys remember on in Black Panther when Okoye did the same thing to uh, Agent Ross and uh, when he touched uh, T'Challa, they don't play around. Let me tell you, and, and I'm I'm being real for you, like from a from a black person's perspective the Dorian Milaje does something that every black person probably wants to do to anybody who like for me I, I'll tell you this I used to work in a corporate world and in the corporate world there was always a situation especially being black and working in the corporate world I used to wear locks I used to have you know uh dreadlocks or locks you know for those who are in the community of that um I used to wear locks and you know, I used to get them all styled up and everything. And working in the corporate world, it's kind of an interesting thing. And I was one of those people who had to go through certain, you know, co-workers who would come in and in their own way felt that it was a compliment, but they wanted to touch my hair. They wanted to ask me if it was weave or not. It was all sorts of microtransgressions and everything that was going on in this place. And um, yeah, I went through that too. And at this point, you know, you're trying to be respectful, but in hindsight, in your mind, a lot of times you want to do what the Dora Milaje did <laughs> in the situation. But you know, in our situ in our systemic society, we gotta we gotta fall back. We could, you know, we would we would try to be as nice as possible about it. Or sometimes you just had to tell them, no, that's not cool. But in our minds, what the Dora Milaje did is kind of sometimes what a lot of black people want to do whenever somebody's in that situation. There's a lot of people in the corporate world in that situation. So if anybody's listening to this and works in the corporate world and is not black, and I'm telling you now, see anybody wearing natural hair, just say it looks nice. That's it. Just leave it out. Because in hindsight, what you saw in this very scene is exactly what wants to be done from people. Because it's a, and, and, and it's all seriousness. It's a form of disrespect. And it's like, no, that's not happening. So that did not go well at all for these guys. And it all resulted in him getting his ass handed to him uh, while Ayo, uh, Ayo taught Bucky that she can deactivate his vibranium arm at any freaking time. This was the most, this was by far the best scene in the entire episode because nobody knew this. Seri put a fail safe in there just in case something like this would happen. And not only that, what was even great about that scene, because they took possession of Cap Shield, which in hindsight belongs to them because it's made of vibranium. <laughs> they took they they took out his arm. And the greatest part about that is that there was something there's a there's a saying that I've heard a long time ago when watching X-Men, the animated series by Master Mold. I do not kill because I do not fear. Now you take that into this scene and you're saying, basically, I don't need your, I don't need your arm. I don't need your shield. You guys take it because we don't need it because we could pretty much whip your tail at any in any round. They never took it. They, I said, leave it. And they bounced and they went to look for Zemo, who, by the way, 
during this whole entire time, he's just drink. He's just drinking. You know, he's drinking alcohol. And then when it got closer to the end, he slowly slipped away under under um, this escape route under his tub. This was such a absolutely great scene. I mean, it just showed the power of of Wakanda once again. Showed the power of these fearsome warriors, all female warriors, whipping the tail out of all the guys. You couldn't have had a better scene. You could not have had a better scene that just said, "Don't like female empowerment was just was just uh, over like really overstated here in a great way." I loved it. Absolutely, do not mess with them. <laughs> you can see T'Challa is, in, is is well protected here. Um, we later see John and Lamar at a mall of sorts uh, as John discusses how embarrassed he is of being defeated by the Dora Milaje, who did not, who none of them had, none of them had were uh, super soldiers, and. He just, he just kept pondering on that. So he asked Lamar if he had the opportunity to use the serum, would he? Lamar said yes in a second. Take note, I never mentioned this, but also the same question was asked uh, when Zemo asked Sam the same question, to which Sam immediately said no with conviction. So there's something right there um, that makes me believe that eventually Sam is going to become the new captain, this whole thing. Uh, Lamar also reminds <laughs> Lamar also reminds John that he shouldn't sec, uh, second guess himself because he's always made the right decisions. Boy, was that the dumbest thing to ever say. And that is going to that indeed is going to bite him in the ass later on. We uh, later see Carly in a secluded area as she calls Sam, uh, Sam's sister, Sarah, to ask uh about Sam's character and intentions. Sarah informs her that not only is Sam not uh, the enemy, but he also, but he also, uh, he, nor, uh, he nor she, I should say, sides with the ver that version of Captain America. And to which Carly respects that. Carly tells Sarah that she wants Sam to meet him at a secret location. And if she doesn't do it, she knows exactly where Sarah is as well as the kids and they will have a meeting of their own. She basically threatened her, threatened their lives. Uh, Sam and Bucky meets up with her, and that's when things go haywire because John and Lamar has followed them again, but what John and Lamar doesn't know is Sharon Carter is also tailing uh, John Walker as well. They somehow um, put a tracker on those two. And that's when things just went crazy. Um, we also see the effects of the serum. We also realize that actually John Walker took the serum because, you know, he's able to do things he's never done before and his strength levels up, up. But at the same time, we're seeing some effects of the serum taking a bit of a psychological effect to him, making him even more rational in his actions. Now, if you guys remember in the scene when him and uh, John were talking, Lamar said, like, you know, doesn't make a difference you're you're still them just turned up to, with the volume turned up uh you know you had the red skull who took it his volume turned up he had Sam, uh steve who who's taking it and it you know turned the volume up so you know it's just all about the moral and ethics of the person the the, the serum doesn't change but we realized that the moral and ethics of john walker is a little bit 
unstable <laughs> to a degree. So, and that was why you got to, and that's also understanding why the, the, the scientist who gave Steve Rogers the serum in the beginning wasn't looking for the most fit dude. He wasn't looking for the most, um, you know, agile guy, the, the guy who can really go into the field and make it. He wanted somebody with actual moral fiber. And Steve Rogers had that moral fiber. He was altruistic, like more. He, he actually was the definition of altruistic. Um, if you've ever taken a psychology class, there's always the discussion of altruism as to whether, and if, for those who don't know what altruism is, is the, it's pretty much when somebody is doing just for the sake of, not for any glory, not for any recognition, is just doing something rather kind or, or nice or, you know, moralistic just for the sake of and doesn't try to get credit that is a hard discussion to have because a lot of people feel that it, it altruism doesn't exist and every once in a while there are signs of it and steve rogers is kind of the the symbol of altruism he doesn't ask for it he doesn't need it he doesn't get it whereas john walker is the total opposite of that <laughs> in this case so you know here you have it like it, it the the serum is really kicking into him and he's now doing every it's kind of like when people get drunk they say when when people are drunk they kind of tell the truth the serum kind of does the same thing so things go really extreme when carly's trying to defend herself and at the cost of punching lamar so hard because you gotta remember she has the serum as well that he flew head first into the stone pillar killing him instantly this sends john into a complete complete rage and tries to chase down Carly. Uh, Carly manages to escape. However, one of her members, one of the members of the Flag Smashers that we see throughout the entire episode wasn't so lucky as John catches up with him, swings his shield over to him, takes him down and proceeds to impale him uh, with Steve's shield, killing him in brutal, inhumane fashion, in un-American fashion, technically. <laughs> on American fashion. Um, he kills this man in public in front of the large crowd holding their phones and recording this. Does this not sound familiar to a certain situation that has happened in 2020 that is in trial right now? This is absolutely playing off of the events of the real world events of, of uh, George Floyd. This is this is, this is absolutely borrowing from that. You got him brutally murdered, not in brutally again murdering somebody on live camera. You got somebody who is of high authority using his power, abusing his power to this case, and everybody has it on camera. We see Bucky and Sam watching this in complete shock, and that is how this story ends it was very intense this episode was amazing um again it it, it turned itself we had a, a really more entertaining episode a buddy cop type of episode last week this week turned it a total 180 became a, once again very much intense very much real world focus and in politically uh, political focus and my goodness this was awesome. I cannot wait to see how this is going to end, um, how this is going to turn John Walker into U.S. agent, how 
whether Sam or Bucky is going to become Captain America, which I'm thinking is even now more than ever leading into Sam. And uh, we got two episodes left, people. How is this? How is this going to end? This is just amazing. Uh, say what you will. People want to see more, but they put a lot of money into this. And I don't mind these being little mini series because this adds on to the action that is going on here. And we still got Loki coming very soon um in, in in just maybe a like another month or so uh so i am excited about what's happening here and i'm i can't wait to just binge watch through this entire thing along with wandavision i'm ready for it all and phase four is just absolutely fantastic never miss a beat even with uh the pandemic happening ah uh, just it's so great to have marvel back in our world <laughs> i'll tell you this uh and, and i don't want to mention another thing too and uh, this episode the power broker was mentioned once again, who is still on the hunt for Carly in the Flag Smashers, who had the serum. He does not. He's not aware that the serum is gone. Uh, he's possibly I don't know if he's aware that the scientist who created serum is gone. And I'm sure he's probably not aware. Maybe he is now that John Walker has a serum in him now. So we don't know who this power broker is. And my predictions is that the power broker is going to be revealed as somebody a, a major name in the marvel universe or even a known name in the marvel uh comic universe that is going to be coming in like this power broker is being this he's got to be revealed between next episode or the final i'm going to say he's come we're going to reveal they're going to reveal the power broker next episode as which is going to set up for the season finale or the series finale episode uh so yeah i i, I am so looking forward to this this, this was awesome I love it. So moving on to this, and I believe this is the last thing I'm going to talk about during this segment is the recent episode of Invincible, which for some reason is very interesting, uh, was released on Thursday and not Friday. Uh, usually that for the last couple of weeks since it, it started, it was uh, releasing on the same day. I'm wondering if for some reason that this... Uh, that because you know the falcon and the winter soldier has been released on friday as well it may have been taken away from the viewership of invincible so if i tell you this if it releases on thursday again i i my thoughts is that it definitely is because falcon and the winter soldier is uh, you know comes out on that date as well and they pretty much don't want to be in the same situation as that. So because I'm pretty sure Falcon and the Winter Soldier is getting a lot of viewership on um, Disney on Disney Plus. So and I, I don't understand. Like we can still watch both. I watch both. But, you know, it is what it is. But let's talk about this episode because this was also an awesome episode as well. This week, we saw a focus on the character Titan played by Mahershala Ali, who we got a chance to see briefly on another on a previous episode you know one of the first three episodes so this is now more of a focus on his character um titan is the character that he plays and he comes off as kind of like a luke cage character but uh he's kind of in debt uh, of you know he's in debt of a mob boss this auto-tune talking crime boss named machine head played by jeffrey donovan who orders him around to take uh in jobs in order to pay you know pay him back uh, Titan doesn't appear to be a bad guy in this. Uh, he's just no more than a, a guy with superpowers trying to, who normally would be a hero, but 
he owes a debt to this crime boss and has the comparison you know like i said he's not a bad guy and has some com uh, compassion to pretty much not kill everybody he saved some lives um you know, there's a scene in there where he pretty much um blows up an apartment building uh based on somebody a target that he was looking for which unfortunately is putting people out of house and home so instead of you know one guy you know spoke out to him like what are we going to live what are we going to what do we do to you so titan comes back and where people think that he's going to kill this dude titan winds up just giving him enough money to live at an apartment another apartment until they get their um you know get back on their feet he invades a drug house you know a territory that um this other you know group of people are trying to take over which is belongs to machine head and he pretty much destroys everybody but this young kid and he gives the kid a chance to redeem himself and get out and change his ways even after the fact that the kid uh hit him with a shot off double barrel you know rifle to the face he you know the dude still he still lets him go so he the dude, he has some compassion in, in all this he's not totally evil to this respect um in fact he more or less is, tries to help the community at best titan decides to seek the help of invincible so he can uh be free of this debt as well as protect his wife and kid in the community as well invincible at first tells him that he can't help him and once again he suggests getting fight force to help him. i want to note it's like the third time i heard about fight force and i had to look and research this because again i haven't read anything recently from image comics in a while since the walking dead um which is another robert kirkman title and in fact fight force is another comic book robert kirkman created so it is constantly referenced in these episodes which leads me to believe that down the line we're going to see fight force uh in some form or fashion so i'd it, be interesting to uh, see what's going on with that meanwhile mark grayson is still struggling with uh his life to you know and trying to balance his normal life as well as his relationship with amber and you know his superhero duties you know he's doing a superhero thing so they gotta have a secret identity he doesn't want to reveal it to anybody and he you know he has to trust the person that he you know is with meanwhile while he's doing that he wants to tell her but he kind of still doesn't feel right about telling her right now or he doesn't want to make you know make her a target to anybody or whatever like that eve who does know who he is tries to help amber and mark's relationship by assuring amber that sam i mean not sam but that mark is definitely into her into her and uh even tries to help her with some charitable work while uh, mark is helping titan defeat a crime boss so it, it's going to be interesting because you know we see even amber starting to develop a relationship here and hindsight she kind of has she's starting to catch a little bit of feelings for for mark but not you know but not trying to you know put you know be in between her and amber to that extent but she knows his identity so she's caught up in this situation plus our own situations as well which we'll talk about shortly um this episode also shows mark's mom debbie grayson continuing to her investigation using the booklet that she found in the closet in omni-man's closet left by damien darkblood uh to find out what's really going on with omni-man she is very clever in this episode and i really the more clever she is in this episode and in in, in in continuing episodes the more i 
have fear for her life in here because I don't trust I don't trust Omni Man at all. I don't trust this dude at all. I I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up uh, attempting to kill her or kill her off in this here. Like again, I haven't read the comics yet to see how far close this is to the to the series, but I am not trusting where this road is going. So, like I said, she's very clever in her pursuit, which includes her asking him to travel to different parts of the world to obtain food for dinner. She has a map out of how fast it takes Omni-Man to get from point A to point B in every single time, which gives her enough time to find the evidence that she needs and the, and the clues that she needs to see what's been going on, according to Damien Dark, um, Darkblood's book in here. So she has she has notes and everything i mean she's really on the ball like she could be a detective in this case well I, I hate to tell people for those who don't understand being in a relationship all girlfriends and wives and women everywhere are some of the best detectives ever my sister has proven that if if, if a woman wants to know something about you they will they will go all out to find out about you and my, my sister is one of the biggest examples like, like she's a she's a old school pioneer of this like there was one time she was dating i hate to put her herself out there she's married she's been married a long time now but back when she was a teenager or even um like a young teen or like 18 19 20 or whatever um just young adulthood i guess um she was dating this at the time famous boxer or this well-known boxer or whatever and you know come to find out this dude was doing his thing with a whole bunch of other people this is before the internet. This is before, this is way before dial up or anything. I don't know how, but she found out about this and then also found somehow found her way to finding the other women that he was dating. She called them up. They had a discussion. They all of a sudden made a plan to trap this dude and have this dude come to our house and with all of them waiting for her, for him to come. I'm sitting in, I'm sitting on the side, my, me and my boy, Chris, I'm at his house, which is a few doors down. We're on the porch. We're getting popcorn. We're waiting for this. Cause this is going to be gold. And he comes and they set him up and boom, don't ever underestimate the power of a woman and their instinct and their willing and their diligence to find out anything about you. <laughs> okay. True. Indeed. That is the one thing I learned from my mother and my sister. <laughs> so shout out to them. And we see this from Debbie as well. So um, she manages to find enough. She puts it in a trash bag and all of a sudden Omni-Man comes in. He, you know, back from his stuff and she kicks it under the kitchen table. I don't and they just leave at that. So I don't know to which she's going to throw that away or he's going to find it. That they, That's a little bit of a cliffhanger that they left for us for next episode. In a funny moment. We see Mark coming into school late and being caught by the principal who just happens to name Principal Winslow, who happens to sound like a familiar Winslow. It is, in fact, played by Reginald Vell Johnson, who is, in fact, Carl Winslow on Family Matters. I don't know why or how, why they did this, but this was an awesome thing. He is called Principal Winslow. They don't say Carl Winslow, but they just say Principal Winslow. And you know that iconic voice. If you ever watch Family Matters, his voice is iconic. He There's nobody who sounds like uh, Reginald Van Johnson. You know Carl Winslow's voice just, like, just as much as you know Uncle Phil's voice. 
James Avery. Okay, so I thought it was pretty cool that they had him on here. Uh, meanwhile, Adam Eve has issues with her parents. This was an interesting uh, scene where Adam Eve uh, had issues with her parents who were mad at her for leaving Rex in the Guardians of the Globe because she left because he cheated on her. The parents wanted her to make up with Rex despite the fact that he cheated on her uh, because they wanted Rex was supposed to watch her and keep her safe. This family sucks. <laughs> this family is terrible. She informs them that he cheated on her and the father just tells him like, you know, men make mistakes all. No, dude, where, where's your head at? <laughs> and the wife is all along with this. It's like, are you kidding me? What, what is going on here? She reminded him that she could take care of herself. She has the power to manipulate Adams. And in that case, she cut down the family, uh, the family portrait on the wall and created a door right there in which she left and left that house and ran away. And I don't blame her at all. And that was just a very disturbing scene right there. I, I, it just, you know, it's funny because it just seemed way too unrealistic or way too out of date to have parents who think like that. It, it's more out of date than it is unrealistic because yeah, there were parents that think like that, but I didn't think that they were still a story or a narrative that will have parents in this day and age to have that type of mindset. Not in this day and age. <laughs> so I thought that was that was really interesting. As we move on, we also see the Guardians of the Globe coming back from training and now taking a break. Notice uh, noticeable in this scene is Rex and Monster Girl, who is getting along very well uh, and becoming really tight after their little, uh, you know, fight back then. You know, they they I guess they uh, they made amends of that whole situation. Now they're like practically best friends and everything. While the teens tried to celebrate uh, this and having beers, which was implanted in place by Rex in the uh, facility, Robot was unaware of this. Black Samson, played by um, uh, what is it? Uh, what is his name? Because I totally Peyton, uh, uh, Carlton Peyton, who is cyborg on uh, T Titan, uh, T Titans Go, decides to rain on their parade and letting them know that they're the failures that they made during their last mission, reminding them that they. Uh, should have saved lives and they didn't and, and uh, created collateral uh, damage there. Later, we find the remaining Mauler twin uh, regenerating his brothers uh, after being destroyed, I believe last episode. Robot finds his way into the hideout only to ask the Mauler twins to, for help with tissue and growth and replication. Sam, and this is leading into something interesting too, because you guys remember Robot was teaming up with the agency for some reason. They got something really majorly planned there. Um, and I think as we look further into this episode, we'll start to get, put two and two together. Things don't get go don't go as planned as uh, the thug. Oh, wait, well, I'm going a little bit ahead. Sam and um, Sam and Titan are ready to take out Machine Head and his crew. Machine Head is already well aware of what's going on. His new upgrade chip allows him to predict what's going to happen or calculate what's going to happen and how it's going to happen in every way. So he's, you know, every he, he's able to telegraph everything. He knew that they were coming. He knew it was going to happen. He also knew that he needed a, a better, more powerful crew to take them down. And that he did. He planned it by getting 
uh, a bunch of new thugs, which included this foe named Battle Beast, played by, uh, I forgot the actor's name, but he plays Worf on uh, Star Trek um, The Next Generation, that, that guy. Um, and he begins, all of them begin to beat the holy high hell out of these two. Um, as both Titan and Invincible are down, we get the Guardians of the Globe who gets a an anonymous tip that these guys are being quote unquote anonymous tip. I'll say that because I'll mention that later on as to how they got this tip that they are going to need help. This unfortunately changed nothing as Battle Beast along with the uh, was alone was more than a match for the brutal killing uh, as as he brutally killed both Black Samson and Monster Girl like he oh goodness I can't even I wouldn't even go into detail as to what he did to uh monster girl but it was it was any bit as grotesque and gratuitous as you would see in mortal Kombat's fatalities it was just just an animated form it was just bad in a fit of rage the rest of the team manages to um take out all of the other members of machine heads team while all of this is happening we actually see omni-man watching from afar and choosing not to help at all and you kind of put together that he was the one that put the anonymous tip in for them to come in he set this whole thing up so among all of this invincible is fighting for his life he finds out about it and uh tells amber while they're at the uh, you know the homeless shelter that uh he, she has to go and just reminds her that mark is still a good person you just got to believe it there's a reason for it. And I think this is going to start playing into Amber really starting to question what is going on. And, you know, because Amber even played jokes around with them, you know, as the saying, like, you know, do you have enough time for to hang with me or do whatever it is? Because, you know, or are you out going out saving the world? I think she's saying this without really not realizing that these guys are actual superheroes. And I don't I don't know if uh, Eve actually because Eve doesn't wear a mask, if I'm correct. So. I don't I do believe that she may be a hero that people know that or people are aware of, but I don't know if she realizes that Mark because Mark is fully masked in there as well. So I, I still don't know how much Amber knows about who is what I know. She doesn't know that Mark is invisible, but I don't it's it's really weird. It's just it's going to be I'm pretty I think by next or next two episodes or so she's going to figure it out or they're going to reveal it. So the show ends with a twist because among all of their um when the guardians the guardians were able to apprehend machine head which is exactly what titan wanted in the first place not because he wanted to end all of it and you know help the community and make sure the community is not corrupted but what machine had gone titan can now do what he wanted to do and that has become the new crime boss of the city he which is also teaming up with the guy who was assisting uh was who was actually assisting machine head this whole thing was planned from the get-go so now titan who is played by Mahershala ali who you guys remember who is in fact cottonmouth and luke cage one of my favorite characters of the marvel Cin uh, cinematic universe is now once again kind of playing a crime boss you know character in, in another comic book series that was awesome I, I didn't see that coming at all it was really well played 
and the cutscene comes back again a in uh pretty much an end cutscene where they show the agency I, I forgot the name i always forget the name of this agency that's why i just say the agency um is experimenting on mark's blood if you guys remember a few episodes back when mark um was in a fight they took his blood to which he never really he would he didn't agree with but he also was like all right whatever their reason why they took it is because they're trying to find ways to destroy the blood cells in hopes that they can find a way to take out Omni-Man because they know that he killed the Guardians of the Globe. They're being nonchalant about it. That's why they didn't want Damien Dark to further, you know, investigate the situation before it escalates into something that they can't handle. So they're going about it the back, the backwards way. They'd rather try to find a way to defeat Omni-Man before they actually approach him. So they're not really working with Omni-Man. They're just working alongside with him until they can find a way to take him out. Because once they find a way to take him out, then they can arrest him or do whatever they need to for murdering the Guardians of the Globe for some reason. So with no hope, unfortunately, there appears to be no way of destroying the blood cells of Mark, who is also the DNA, matches the same DNA of Omni-Man. Apparently, and coincidentally, the blood appears to be invincible. So that's how this uh, episode ends. And um, man, two great episodes this week. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Invincible. Really enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed this series too, because both of them are highly recommended. Go out of your way to check it out. It's so good. I'm talking about it on a weekly basis. So um, go out of your way to check it out. And uh, man, so far so good on our ACMG Facebook group. A lot of people are digging these shows. So. Well, you know, there is one more thing I didn't mention, and that is my thoughts on the new Netflix movie, Thunder Force. I actually took the time to watch that. And this is the this is Netflix's superhero comedy, basically action adventure comedy starring Melissa McCarthy in Octavia Spencer, the Oscar winning Octavia Spencer. And both of them, I love I'm big fans of both of these uh, actors these actresses or actors, if you will. And also adding Jason Bateman into this as well. I've, I've been a Jason Bateman fan dating way, 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 way back. Uh, he's been around, he's been around for a quite a long time and I always enjoyed him. Um, this is a superhero comedy. Basically you have Octavia Spencer and Melissa McCarthy playing the part of the heroes and protagonists. And what happens is you have these two friends that grew up uh since you know they were in school octavia spencer plays a character uh emily statton who's a genius in her own right and uh melissa mccarthy plays lydia berman who they grew up together because people will pick on emily because of her intelligence you know the age-old thing you know the bullies will always you know try to outdo the the smart if you will and Lydia, who isn't as smart as, um, as as Emily, she just doesn't like bullies. And she decides to, you know, be their protector and to become best friends growing up. But they do have a bit of a situation because Lydia always wants to have fun. Emily wants to take it seriously. Her ambition is basically to find a way to take down all of the miscreants and in the city the miscreants are are people who develop these superpowers based on this accident that has happened in the city and they it, the only way that it develops is when people become sociopaths so 
Emily is vowing to make sure that they, you know, take them down because her parents were killed in a accident. Well, not in an accident. They were killed, uh, murdered in a situation where a miscreant blew up this train that the two were in. So, you know, she was left fostered by her grandmother in this case. And the two grow up trying to, you know, look out for each other. But in hindsight, Lydia is trying to, you know, break her away to make sure that she is, you know, has a little fun every once in a while. But, you know, Emily doesn't want to do that. She is hell bound to make sure that she creates a way to do it. So the two end up splitting apart for a while. They get, you know, then we see them old, you know, older. And, uh, you know, they reacquaint each with each other. Lydia finds out that Emily owns an empire, a scientific empire here, where she creates a lab that, you know, still with the purpose of trying to create ways of taking out the miscreants uh, by having creating powers of her own. Lydia comes back into their life and somehow finds her way into the lab, which then, you know, she gets injected with this, you know, serum that allows her to have super strength and agility, which leads into some really funny, funny, funny moments. And meanwhile, also Octavia, also character uh, Emily, ends up helping her and in hindsight also injects herself with powers of be of invisibility. Emily was supposed to have all of these powers in some way, somehow. Lydia wind up getting the power of uh, agility and such. So that now the two end up having to team up with each other. And here as well, also in this movie is Taylor Mosby, who plays Tracy. Taylor um, Mosby, uh, she is a character you've seen her in a certain like she's in a cell phone commercial right now, but she's the daughter in the last OG, which is um, Tracy Morgan's uh, show uh, that I hope comes back. I really, really like that show. That show was awesome. It was on TBS. It aired on air. Um, I hope they get another season there because I, I so love that show. So she's starting to get her shine out of there. And I, I really, really, really enjoyed this uh, series. I, I, I enjoyed this a lot. Uh, who's else, who else is here? To Bobby uh, Canville, who plays the king. He also has his own set of powers. He's also like the crime boss in here who wants to be mayor. And that falls through. But, you know, all through this, they're trying to stop him because he's kind of one running everything in the, in the city. And turns out he didn't win the actual, you know, election that would have allowed him to do that. So now he's trying to destroy everybody. What I love about this movie is because this gives them this gives Melissa McCarthy more or less the identity that she was trying to have with Ghostbusters. They wanted to make a new Ghostbusters movie, all female and all that stuff. And that was great. And I actually, I was one of the people that defended. I'm like, I didn't see what was wrong with the new Ghostbusters movie other than, yeah, we love Dan Aykroyd. We love, um, you know, Bill Murray and all the stuff. And it was unforgettable. We can never take that away. And I think what we, what they should have done is what they, what they done here is do their own, make their own mark here. You know, I, I love that we, you know, they want to shine too in their own way, but I think it's just, you know, when you have stuff like that, I mean, it's one thing you got the chauvinistic, you know, viewers and fans out there who are just going to, you know, hate on it just because they're women, which is stupid and it sucks. But then you also, and there's another argument here is like, you can't reinvent the will in this particular case. Um, I, although I liked the new Ghostbusters that they did, 
uh, it, you know, is, is a sad deal. But um, Thunder Force, I love it because it's their own thing. I think this can follow and do something more. I love the way that they did the special effects, the wiring frame, the character development. Uh, Jason Bateman as the crab was hilarious in here because just to see him with crab arms was just ridiculous. And then even more, there's some of the funnier parts about him was when he was running away from situations. He would literally put his hands up, like the crab hands up and walk and run away like a crab. It was, it's just hilarious. This wasn't like the greatest movie ever, but for what it's worth, I thought it was very entertaining. It was a really fun movie to watch. And I think people should check it out and give it a chance. I really do. I, you know, if I give it a, if I was to give it a really quick grade, um, let's see, maybe like a B minus in a sense. Uh, I thought, oh, I want to also mention who else was in here too. Um, who was it? Palm Clem, uh, Clement, uh, Clement Teeth, I believe is the name, who plays Laser, who is also Mantis on Guardians of the Galaxy. So they had a really, really cool cast. Kevin Dunn was in here as well. Um, they had a really, really uh, established cast in here. I thought the comedy was pretty fun. Wasn't, you know, you don't have to make it into anything bigger than what it was. It doesn't have to be an Oscar film. It was a fun film. So I enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully they'll get another chance to do it again. I thought this was really cool. Uh, so and it, I love the fact that it was original. Everything about it was original. And to see, I love the costume designs too. They, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, they both look badass. They, they look believable because of the special effects and everything that was going on. So, if you get a chance, go out of your way check out Thunder Force. I just, and just take it for what it is. It's just a fun, entertaining film. Like Melissa McCarthy's comedy. I like the fact that she goes out and try, you know tries to be as funny as possible. Like she's not over she's not over the edge funny she's not distinctly funny but she is funny she's entertaining so i don't mind at all go out of your way to check it out thunder force is available now on netflix from there so folks that will do it for it's new in the world of acmg we're going to take a break come back and i really got to talk about the way of the house husband netflix's new anime series um if you love comedic animes you're going to love this so let's take a break and come back and we'll talk about that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on TalkTimeLive.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! This is Amanda Celine Miller, the voice of Boruto and Sailor Jupiter, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Do it. And now it's time for our talk topic of the week. Ready? Wait. All right, folks, we are back with our talk topic of the week, and it is my review of The Way of the House Husband. This is by far one of the coolest comedic animes I've seen in quite some time. Um, Look, there's going to be so much like if you like really wacky comedies in a world of anime, this is one that you're going to have to check out. 
Um, before I do that, I do want to point out, I want to uh, give a shout out to, give me a sec, James Middleton in our ACMG Facebook group who just brought it to my attention that the World Ends With You anime is officially out. It, it, it debuted on Funimation yesterday. It's only the Japanese dub at the moment, but trust me when I tell you, you're going to want to watch the anime. If you haven't played the game, I'm going to recommend that you play the game. It's out everywhere. You could play it on um, on the Nintendo Switch as well. I had it. I played it a long time ago. One of the best Square Enix RPGs ever. Trust me when I tell you, just from a narrative standpoint and from an innovative standpoint as well. And from a character design standpoint, love the anime, uh, you know, slash graffiti style that they add to it. It's pretty awesome. Um, the new game is coming out in, on July 27th. They just announced it. I'll talk more about that on our select start episode uh, as to what that entails. But because um, they just released a three minute uh, trailer for it involving all the characters and some of the things that's going to be happening. But the anime, which we have been anticipating for quite some time, especially those hardcore fans of this series, is out now. Episode one is out on Funimation, Japanese version, simulcast. Go right away, check it out if you own Funimation. If you don't, I highly recommend you own it because one, it's not that, it's very reasonable, reasonably priced. And two, it has dub and sub anime there. You don't want to miss it, including those of the people I recently interviewed uh, on uh, the Repop Metaverse as well. So go right away to check it out. But I digress. Let's talk about the way the house has been on Netflix right now. Oh my goodness. This is Netflix's latest anime acquisition and it's probably one of the funniest I've seen in a while. The way the house husband follows a ex-Yakuza boss who retired from crime to become a house husband. Like, you, who writes this? I love... I'll tell you who writes this, but just, just this is the part I love about anime that's so awesome is that they just go so far out of the box. I wish a lot of us in this country can think this way and think out of the box like this. I mean, we do. I mean, we got Adult Swim and people do, but I mean, it's like almost anime just takes it even further <laughs> to, to the means of what we can't even fathom. So this five episode series provides a comedy style that is uh, in, in such mon- uh, modern anime series like One Punch Man. If you like the comedy of One Punch Man, you're going to like this. Um, and I would also say the disastrous life of Saki, us, um, Psyche uh, K, which if you've seen that, that is hilarious. That is absolutely. Now, while I would say that these are funny as hell, I still think Golden Boy is the funniest of them all. (laughs) There's I've never seen a comedy like Golden Boy ever. And if you haven't seen that, go out of your way to check it out. But Netflix has already announced that more episodes will be coming. So this is like part one. So there's only five episodes. And I think also a lot of it has to do with COVID as well. Like. If you notice, there is a, you know, the the amount of episodes that have come out from Funimation, um, who does a lot of dub anime and and uh, other you know, streaming networks, steam streaming apps and networks that, you know, that now are farming these anime series. These anime series have been coming out as much because it's COVID. You know, we got, you know, we got the Texas based studios down there. We got New York based studios, but because of COVID, it's hard to really get down there. So a lot of these, and we talked about this on the Repop Metaverse, uh, you know, interviews and on the Naruto Q&A that I did in, uh, in 2020, a lot of these guys are doing 
Composite Studio. So it takes time for, to get these files up and to get these things prepared. It's it's a whole thing. Like it's doable, but it's probably better to be able to be in studio to make sure that you could get all of these files, you know, right and get it in, from a time constraint. Like if you guys remember Funimation at the beginning, uh, before COVID and the pandemic actually happened, they were knocking out these episodes, these uh, these dub episodes around the same time that the the um the, the subs were coming out. That was their idea. That was their plan that they were going to be able to do all this and get it out just as fast for those who love dub as much as sub. And unfortunately, the pandemic has not allowed that to happen. So there's a slower pace now, even on Toonami, they even give you a disclaimer and telling you that, like, you know, these people are, you know, going in the confines of, you know, getting this stuff out, meaning they're doing their studio, uh, their apps. And you, to their credit, to everyone in their credit, they, you can't tell the difference. They are doing a really great job with, um, you know, this, this is why they're professionals. This is why they, they, they get paid to do what they do here. So, um, so there's only five episodes at the moment with more coming soon from Netflix. And trust me, I can't, I am looking forward to this. The way of the house husband, uh, let me rephrase that. The way of the house husband was written <laughs> and illustrated by uh, Kosuke Ono uh, for the manga uh, for the manga magazine known as uh, Kudaga or Kudage is uh, I should say uh, Kudage Bunch with its original run dating back to February of 2018 and is still publishing now. The series also adapted a live action uh, television drama in 2020 as well as the anime that we're seeing right now. So the characters that you definitely want to take notice of is the main character, Tatsu. As I mentioned, he's the former, he is the former Yakuza boss, also known as the Immortal Dragon, uh, who is the most feared man in Japan, apparently. Tatsu decided to quit his business, quit the business in order to support his wife's Miku's uh, career. Now, that's really, just this story, this narrative alone, actually really tells you a lot how things have changed not only just in japan but in the world you got a man with a highly qualified highly ranked stature a powerful stature deciding to step down to allow his wife to have her own career i've never seen anything like that in, in anime let alone and, and it's a, it's a new thing that's happening now in our world, it's not just happening in the United States, it's happening around the world because Japan, you know, they have their ways. And now we're seeing that their ways are even changing now. To, to have a to have a a storyline with this type of narrative, that's very game changing. That's that's a, that's a big deal. So I it's one of the reasons why I really wanted to watch this and see how this is done, regardless of this being a comedy. To, for them to have such a thing like this, this this is really telling of how the culture of that land has has become, you know, in, in terms of their ideology and things. So while he is more than diligent enough to handle the uh, handle living the domestic life, he does so while having moments where he kind of treats every situation, almost every situation as if he's involved in some type of Yakuza crime scenario. And this is met with some hilarious moments. Uh, I'm actually looking at it on my screen right now. It's pretty much he, he handles everything in the same fashion that he does as a Yakuza boss and the and the traditional Yakuza ways is it's just genius. Um, there's just a lot of hilarious moments that just 
where he takes everything way too serious. Um, I mentioned Miku, his wife. Uh, she is not only his loving wife, uh, but she's also a designer and a diehard otaku. Not in the traditional Japanese sense, in our, in the, in the, I should say, um, in the, the, the mainstream sense, because there are two versions of otaku. Apparently, there's there's the the definition of otaku uh, that's in Japan, but there's the mainstream version that is more geared to us, where it means fan of uh, anime. And in this case, this is more of the mainstream version because she's a huge fan of anime and video games and stuff like that. So she's kind of like a diehard secret, you know, otaku in that sense. But um. I believe if I'm correct, otaku, the, the Japanese original version of that term was meant for, you know, obsessive, creepy type of, you know, person in a sense. I, you know, I could be wrong, but I'm also I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. But in, in America, otaku is celebrated more as a term used for anime, hardcore anime fan. So um, then we have another character here, Masa, who is just uh, hilarious. He's he's like the he's the sidekick slash target slash beat him up kid he's the comic relief of this bunch he was tatsu's underling when he was actually a crime boss and now he's dedicating himself to helping his uh ball his former boss or still his boss with anything from normal chores to errands in here as well uh like i said there's only five episodes in here so like you got the episode the first episode which i'm watching now which has um, and these are just the thing i love about this these are easy to follow episodes these are episodes where you know, it has a heavy narrative or a complicated narrative or a complex narrative that you would normally see in a lot of anime. This is just straight to the point. You know, it's just random acts of situations and scenarios that happen on a daily basis. Think like just, you know, your normal Seinfeld episode where like there's nothing leading to anything. It's just him doing stuff on a daily basis. So at the moment, at least there's no strong narrative to this thing. Remember, this is only five episodes where you haven't seen the other half of the season come in but i just it's just awesome like so episode one you know mika rushes off uh to work but forgets her bento box and tatsu uh, pretty much tracks down the uh you know tracks her down uh to get that back but also trying to find a birthday present for her by trying to find this particular blu-ray that she already has it turns out and uh it, it's just it's really hilarious like episode two um, you know, they realize that, you know, the housewives and the house husbands have a lot in common with the Yakuza. So Tatsu takes a yoga class and truly, you know, thoroughly enjoys himself. But this fun that episode was funny because you, it has him, you know, doing these yoga moves, but every move reminds him of something that has occurred during the Yakuza life, the way that they, you know, kind of you know, off a particular person that they don't want around anymore. So every move, every yoga move that they make is like a, he reminds the yoga class, the yoga, um, you know, the housewives in the yoga class that every move reminds them of a particular look of a dead person that they killed off or something like that. And that's just hilarious. Episode three, uh, if I'm correct, what I remember is when the gangsters are now running um, a crepe truck. And that was the other thing too he's not the only one there are other members of the of other yakuza members that are like in doing other things as well you got 
a gangster, a, a ex-gangster who is now running a crepe truck. Um, I believe there's another Yakuza boss of some sorts from another Yakuza, um, you know, family that works in a convenience store. It's so weird, but it's so quirky and weird, but it's, it's so hilarious. Um, Miku's dad tries to bond with Tatsu in, in a certain way because he's never had a son. Um, just, just some odd, really, really weird and oddball storytelling. But for some reason, it just works. And it's, it is funny because if, if Tatsu feels like he failed his wife, he tries to off himself traditionally in the way that the Yakuza does. So he tries to take a pinky or whatever like that. And Miku tries to stop him. She clotheslines him and everything. It's, it's just, it's so out of pocket. It works. <laughs> it just is like, I, I, I would not be surprised if this ep if this series ends up on Toonami, but I doubt if it will because they would have to edit it down profusely from a dialogue standpoint because there's a lot of F-bombing in here and there's a lot of heavy, like this is really an adult-oriented anime. This is something that is not for kids. This is really, um, but I, this is totally an enjoyable anime. I'm so looking forward to the other episodes to come. This has got to be one of, you know, Netflix, this is going to be probably one of Netflix's top and uh, you know shows to watch. Uh, so please, I beg you, go out of your way to check this series out. If you just if you're a fan of comedic anime, this is one of the ones that you got to put on uh, put on your list because this ranks up to a lot of the like I'm thinking uh, you know the devil uh, has a part time job that type of it's on that level like the ones i mentioned pre prior to it's not the greatest comedic anime of all time but it is damn sure enjoyable so go out of your way and check it out and trust me i will put money on it that you will not be disappointed with this show so it's available now on netflix and um you know check out it much more it's one of the reasons why i'm grateful for netflix you know even though we got disney plus and um we have all the other ones as well uh you know um and Funimation or anything, Netflix holds its own still to this day. So, go out of your way to check it out, folks. That will do it for this edition of Talk Time Live. Thank you guys so very much. Hope you guys have a great weekend, a safe weekend. Mask up and all that. Even if even if you are you know fully vaccinated like myself, like my wife is, you know, still you want to keep people safe. You know, there will I pretty much think that we will get through all this soon. But uh, especially all you in the herd community down in Florida right now at stupid WrestleMania. <laughs> Please take care of yourself down there. Oh my goodness. It is just crazy. But we will get through it. So um, definitely want to let you guys know that our video game podcast select start this next episode uh, in honor of the life of DMX. We will look back at one of the greatest cult classic games featuring some of hip hop's greatest rappers fighting in an underground wrestling promotion as we will talk about Def Jam Vendetta and Def Jam Fight for New York and why EA needs to bring that game back in some form or fashion more than ever now, if not more than ever. Um, we will also have other news going on in the world of our uh, favorite gaming fandom as well, but also the next prime show next Sunday. I will also look back at all of the Mortal Kombat movies 
leading up to the world premiere of the Mortal Kombat reboot, which will be in theaters and on HBO Max April 23rd. So you don't want to miss neither of those episodes uh, because it's going to be a lot of fun, especially uh, talking about Def Jam Vendetta again, because I can talk about that game all day and why that game is still to this day one of the baddest games of all time <laughs> and Def Jam uh, Fight for New York as well. So uh, get ready. Those episodes are coming. You can definitely check those out on TalkTimeLive.com where you can find this episode and every episode following there. All of the bells and whistles are there, including our TalkTime Live exclusive page uh, where you can um, see all of our interviews with some of the best. And speaking of interviews, got to announce again because I announced this on Select Start. Returning to the show in May will be none other then my good friend, Amanda Celine Miller. You may know her as Sailor Jupiter, the voice of Baruto, and also recently the voice of Joe from Kid Cosmic, which is also a new Netflix series that you absolutely got to go out of your way to watch. And uh, we'll be talking about everything following up to the last time we spoke with her, which was way before COVID, even way before she moved down to Georgia. And that's going to be an interesting conversation as well, because, you know, for those of you who are listening, who are in the States, who are keeping up with everything going on politically, you know, it's been going on down in Georgia. So it'd be interesting to give her take on that and much more. Hopefully we'll even talk about her thoughts on Black Lightning as well, because she is friends with Black Lightning himself. So uh, it'd be interesting to, you know, get a take on what's going on down there and um, how she's been, how she's doing down there. She's constantly working, constantly writing you know, for anime and doing ADR and all that stuff and even other projects as well. So we'll see how she's been doing since the pandemic era and all that and much, much more. So stay tuned for that. Uh, that'll be awesome. And this time it'll be all in video as well as audio. So go ahead and to check that out. That's going to be awesome. Looking very much forward to talking with her as well. So uh, stay tuned for all that. But if you want to subscribe and download this and never really must be get not and be notified that a new episode is coming you can go all to your favorite po uh, podcast platforms such as spotify iHeartRadio, radio uh, apple podcast google podcast stitcher podbean amazon uh what is it amazon uh no tune in audible and pandora and pocket cast as well and as well as i believe there's some other pirating type of places you could find this in as well i've managed to snag into other places as well but these are the most popular amongst the bunch so uh we are everywhere and anywhere so thank you guys once again for always checking us out supporting us and um you know making some of the recent episodes some of the most downloaded episodes we've had i'm very very happy to have you all and hopefully we can keep enjoying this all together so folks that will do it for me on behalf of myself this is dax xavier josiah saying learn to let go Live life and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of air. Everybody, please be safe. Take care.
Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.